Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a fresh-faced first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this, this is, is the story, story So Farscape. So Farscape, we have seen our hero, John Crichton, the science jock, uh, who was slung through a wormhole into some distant part of the universe, onto a ship. A living ship. Full of... Aliens. Strange alien Strange life aliens, forms. sorry. Yeah, yes. no, you're fine, you're getting there. And Such as... The lovely Zahn. Oh, yes. She, she, she is shining, she, literally. The, <laughs> the, the blue glow. Uh, uh, the big hero tentacles, uh, Dargo, sorry. Yes, very <laughs> good. <laughs> Always cantankerous Rigel, Domino Rigel, I should say. Domino Rigel I'm sure 16th. he would pr- protest if it was, he was called anything else. And, of course, I think my favourite still is Pilot. Yeah, I'm so glad because mine too. Like he's 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 such a dreamboat, really. He is a little. He's he's always like well, happy to serve and just like pottering about in his huge uh, control system and <laughs> yeah. uh, just like poking poking things and uh, p- pressing his huge buttons and controlling Moya and uh, flying her about the universe. He's the one who seems like he has something to do. Like he has something to keep himself busy with. Yes. I mean, I suppose he's like running, running Moya on a daily basis and keeping things sm- uh, running smoothly, managing the scuttlebots. You know, I wonder. Literally, now this second, you know that I'm a longtime fan. Like yeah. twenty-two years, I've been watching it since it aired, and literally today, it has occurred to me. You know, if I was pilot and like I was, I was performing some functions with Moya, and I yeah. had been doing that for a while, and it's actually not that much work. I still probably would say that it was a lot of work. Of course. So I wonder if maybe pilots like actual functions are just, you know, occasional, just every few hours to change the litter box or whatever like you do for a cat. Yeah. And that the rest of the time he's just playing space Sudoku. All yeah, he could just be sitting there with his four, all four of his arms folded behind his back, uh, like looking, oh, shit, that thing came on. I have to push some buttons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe that's not even a control system. Maybe that's just like a space Xbox with, a, well, with we, the Donkey Kong bongos. <laughs> I mean, we know it is because in the last episode we actually saw uh, Eren use it, who is actually the last that, member of crew, which we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, that's right. She, she, she did pretty okay on this control but, system. But at the same time, I mean, we have computers, right? And they have keyboards yeah. and, and mice or a, or a touch interface, which you use to perform the necessary functions of the computer and also to play Minesweeper. True. But how much would it explain how how uh, sometimes short and snippy he is with the crew when they ask him an inane question that he was just, you know, he was just knee deep in a, in a crossword or <laughs> <laughs> playing Othello against some some other Leviathan pilot online. Maybe they have their own internet. Oh, that'd be great. Like, yeah, like a forum <laughs> board where they can just like talk about things and uh, have their own little a virtual reality uh, meetup point where they can just like talk about and uh, I mean how, how many leviathans are there we really don't know they've not yet encountered another one I mean we know Moy is right. pregnant so like, does that require another leviathan or is that just something that they can do or are we talking about space humping is this making you horny well, okay, very good question, because that's something we discovered last week. Last week's episode was the big reveal that someone on board is pregnant, and it's, it's the, the ship. Sh- yes. It's the ship. So here's something that I clued into that I hadn't noticed before. When they're investigating the, uh, what do we call it, the, the wetter than fairy dust, I think it was called. Yes. Uh, 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 that came out of the thing that was installed by the peacekeepers yeah. uh, to prevent, I guess, the, 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 the pregnancy from occurring, all... All that was identified as not just biomechanoid, but specifically, Zan said, it was part of Moya. They're actually made up of Moya's genetic material. Yes. They are a part of Moya. So it was not, not Moya. Right. It might have just been hormones or something, you know, flushing through her system. 
But so it was not, you know, boy leviathan jizz that was. <laughs> no, okay, I'm trying point. to use no. the scientific terminology here. This, the, it's no, boy leviathan jizz, it. yes. which is the other component for I mean, what she, we know as. Yeah, I mean, so she was already pregnant, so that any of that would have been like long service purpose. See, but that's the question: Was she already pregnant, and was the pregnancy uh, postponed? Or was her pregnancy caused by the fairy dust? Oh, well, I mean, that would have gone awfully quick then if it had, because that thing was like, you know, that embryo, right. let's call it, was yeah. uh, suddenly well, already quite big when we saw it. So I, I would think it was postponed and like held back by the uh, peacekeeper device. But that would just my... I don't my... know any creatures that can do that. Oh, yeah, lots can. Uh, that have an actual, like, because it wasn't like a, a zygote. It was just it, like it was a full-on fetus, but looking by the size of it, like multicellular. Yeah. Lots of species can like to, uh, like postpone a pregnancy. Yeah, oh, they can okay. just like just store it, keep it alive, like prevent it from uh, uh, right. further developing, and like we'll we'll get onto we'll get onto that when the circumstances are better for it. So yeah, that definitely happens. All right. Well, we did see in one of the space shots of um, Crace's fleet there were several leviathans. Oh, but I, it's yeah. it's you know blink and you'll miss it. It's kind of a thing in the background. Yeah, that makes sense. So this week's episode is Season 1, Episode 11. Till the Blood Runs Clear. Uh, written by Douglas Hayes Jr., who I don't know has has done much mm-hmm. uh, uh, in general, but Tony Tills is back, or, or, or Tills, uh, he did uh, PK Tech Girl. Ah, the director. Uh, yes, and he's the uh, he's one of the one of the regulars that will show up a few times, and and, and he sort of introduced with uh, PK Tech Girl, as you as you recall, like a a really important sort of tone. I think Ben Browder talked about it, like the tilsification of Farscape had yeah. uh, had started, and he's and he's back in force with that that blend of uh, uh, action, world building, character, uh, all that. Oh, how how common is it in series like this for there to be multiple directors per episode and stuff like that? I have no idea. I mean, I, I know Star Trek has different directors. Uh, oh, for television, it's uh, it's it, it's very common. Yeah. Uh, in fact, like I've I've been a genre nerd for a while. So yeah. sometimes I'll notice uh, uh, directors appearing in multiple shows. Yeah. I noticed they do it for Doctor Who as well. You have different yeah, writers yeah. and different directors for the, uh, various episodes. Well, you kind of have to. Like writing a writing an episode is. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, aside from being a lot of work, there's also like the guild uh, uh, Involved, requires. Yeah. yeah, and with uh, uh, with a weekly television program, they were doing 22 of these episodes. Yeah, a it's year. very true. And then you have like basically have half a year to shoot them all in and then prepare everything. And, right, because uh, you want the actors working like every every week but every episode requires like pre-production meetings and design that yeah. the director has to be involved in so you know one will be in production one will be in pre-production one will be in post-production and uh, stuff like that so around that same time in the so far back machine we haven't oh, yes and this was friday 9th of july 1999 yes. i'm just i'm just providing that so they have the smooth transition <laughs> into the so far, so far back far machine back and machine, which i really like yes so we we have else? another movie about aliens from space. Oh yeah, yeah. It was the Muppets from Space was re- released almost oh at the same God. time. Oh wow! There is so many more like uh, uh, parallels here. <laughs> oh yeah, which were actually the first movie that the Jim Henson Company made after the death of uh, uh, Jim Henson. Jim, Jim Henson himself. himself. Oh, yeah, wow. so that was the. Uh, because the previous one had been, I guess, Muppets Treasure Island with... Ooh, I think so. Tim... Was it like? What's yes, his? Tim Curry. Curry, yeah. Not Upstage, boys. Yes. Show him you've been practicing. 
This so, is my only number. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I haven't actually seen Muppets in Space, but I have seen Muppets Treasure Island. So. <laughs> well, Muppets in Space has it's, it's mostly about Gonzo, who has always been listed as a whatever uh, yes. for his species. <laughs> yeah, we have a bear and a frog and a oh, whatever. Exactly. And he's like, turns out that he's an alien and there's like the whole thing. He gets struck by lightning right. and then he can communicate with the fish, fish aliens and... He's kidnapped by the by the by the federal agents or something who work for a uh, institution called Covnet. Which Covnet is, that actually sounds familiar. C O V N E T. It's never actually explained what the acronym stands for. It's just like Covnet. It's just. It actually sounds familiar, honestly. Okay. Like, isn't that a not a not a NASA thing, but like SETI? You know, the SETI. search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Yes. It sort of feels well. Oh no, we've got we've got listeners at home who are probably googling this now and but no, getting Covnet, ready to angry Covnet on, it is actually on the Muppet Wikipedia. It is actually said as it is not known what Covnet stands for. Oh, it is oh, specifically, I like that. <laughs> yes, it is never explained. <laughs> but yeah, it turns out he is actually an alien, and other aliens who look just like him show up, and in the end, he decides to stay back home with his Muppet friends. Oh, of course, uh, and. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting uh, parallel, both the fact that it's also Jim Henson uh, Productions, of course. And, and that it's a, it's a fish out of water. Yep. You know, although an, he's an on alien Earth. among aliens. Yep. A Stranger in a Strange Land, although that was a Heinlein book. And I don't know if it was ever... Uh, no, I'm thinking of What's-His-Face on Mars, who was... Uh, John Carter. John Carter on Mars, yes. That got a film that was I know. not... I didn't, I didn't see it, as but I, I know about it. But yeah. As I recall. Also, like, how long does one's super strength last in a low-gravity environment? Ah, uh, yes. That also, the, the most interesting thing about, uh, I always thought about uh, Stranger in Strange Land, that's where the word grok comes from. Oh, wow. It's, as in to comprehend. Yes, to, to completely comprehend. And it's the, the word they use for drinking water. Because huh. like, it becomes a part of you. Oh, wow. I like that. Uh, certainly on, on what was supposed to be an arid environment like, uh, like Mars, Mars yes. that would, yeah. And we open with a scene of uh, the pod out in uh, space. Out in space, we have John's little uh, space Farscape one. Yeah, yep. what did they, I mean? They re- they refer to it constantly as the, the module. The module, yes, it's the Farscape module. The module. The module. My module. The frill with Crichton's precious module. Which is kind of weird in space terminology because a module think, is, a, so, yeah. is a bit that you it's put on another bit. Part of a system. Yeah, right. It's been retrofitted with parts from Moya and it's got like thrusters and it's like zooming along like a rate of knots. It's also been converted to a two-seater because we yeah. have uh, Crichton and Aaron both sitting in having a vicious battle over oh, which the switch. Of the, the switch switches. that does everything. <laughs> yes, they're like constantly pulling, pushing <laughs> two <laughs> switches up and down. And uh, just putting it back the whole time. We have no idea what it what it is, but he has to reach over her shoulder and, and turn yeah. it and turn it on and she notices, oh, this is wrong again and just flips it back. Yes. Hey, flip that switch again. It goes back and forth a few it's times. It's like in Fireflies, the switches that do everything. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that there's um uh, when you look behind behind Crichton's head, yeah. uh, behind his seat, you've got some some of like Moya looking filigree. Yes, you know some of the the sort of organic Gaudi style. Right, but well, they did, they do mention that like uh, it was Moya's parts which have been uh, fitted onto the module, and uh, that oh, they yeah. are now making use of that because he's not uh, he's not burning his chemical fuel. His uh, his little craft has a bunch of like I call them they're called propulsors on right. the on the outside uh-huh. that are glowing and that's uh, giving it some uh, some get up and go. Like his his opening line is, this thing rocks! Yeah. Baby, this thing rocks! 
Because apparently the local star is doing solar flares and they're doing some more research into the wormhole, which the ship supposedly opened up. So he's like doing some flying uh, around back on the old flight patterns that you had me calculating back uh, Uh, at home. Yeah, you can see the the sort of compression, the bow wave of fire as he's uh, using the atmosphere, using that same sort of... Decelerate to accelerate type thing. Slingshot, which is not how you... That's not how you slingshot. And they're, they're coordinating with pilots, whom I noticed has seemed to become a little bit more mobile. It's like I noticed that the, yeah. the he was much more animated when he when he moved. He seems right. His body turns. Yes, that, a lot and, more. And than... there's, yeah, there's more like head movement. And again, they're like they've upgraded his uh, visuals a little bit. They're showcasing him more. I would say. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the most complicated puppets that uh, uh, the Henson Company has ever produced. Like all of those, those arms have to interact with the the space around them. Uh, he's got his giant. I mean, he is huge and so expressive in his face the 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 lips and the cheeks and the and the brows the eyes they they yeah. telescope there's so much expression of course like he's I mean, he is kind of my favorite on the Oh, on the yes, ship. he's, he's a, definitely... Uh... He's my total hero. So, yeah, he's busy playing Donkey Kong bongos. <laughs> uh, you can't see his screen, and he's just... I don't think he has a screen in none of the other shots that we've <laughs> no. ever seen of the area. He doesn't. He just has that big panel in front of him. And, I mean, he has tendrils throughout the ship, so I guess yeah. he doesn't really need a screen. He can just, like, no, feel actually, his way around Moya. That's kind of a good point. Like, he, his head appears in holographic form in all those clamshells, but yeah. does he even see anybody who's talking back to him? Don't know. I mean, maybe they have little, maybe they have little holographic representations on his yeah. panel, and we never see that. But yeah. Uh, also, we we also don't see anything which is happening outside the Farscape One because all the shots are just like in the cockpit. It's all shots up close shots of Erin yeah. uh, and uh, Creighton flying the thing, and suddenly there's a solar Bickering. flare. Oh yeah! And uh, Zahn seems to be loving it. She's like rubbing her hands all <laughs> yeah, over the fondle slab uh, and. Uh, she is yeah, just like fingering the Ouija board. She is glowing. Oh, I love her her just expression and how and how calm she is and that she's she's delighted and she's and she's fine and yep. uh, pilots like he he exhibits a note of caution like we should be careful and she goes no 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 it's fine as well with intolerances. Yes. Oh well for Moya but maybe not for the baby leviathan and that's when she snaps out like yep, yep no you're right let's She's get back in the shadow immediately back to responsibility like take it back she does uh, like have a little afterglow after there oh yeah, yeah she, uh, that for was mo- good for a moment there i thought her golden spots were actually shining a bit more than they were before but yeah. i thought it was might just be an effect of the lighting but it was probably done quite deliberately yeah i think i think you're right yeah she's got a she's got a sort of golden light from uh, from below yep and that uh, yeah that looks great yeah less responsible Acting is Cretin, who sees oh, actually a wormhole form. He taps like Aaron on the shoulder and goes like, "Oi, look over there! There's a wormhole." Yeah. Looks and out the window at this at this blue like I mean we've called it a space toilet before. It's a it's a, it's a sinkhole. It looks yeah. so liquid and aquatic and chaotic. Like the aperture is going all over the place. It's yeah, shrinking and growing, and he's just having this like spaced out look into it. And it cuts to the opening credits scenes. Yes. Now, I know we don't have much to say about the opening credits, but this was the first time that I, that I heard you singing along to the... <laughs> la, 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 la. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
Because one of the great joys of of watching watching so uh, watching Farscape with someone is that you go through the credits and at the end you do the high note together. Back on the wormhole, Crichton is sorely tempted to fly this craft right on through. You can see, oh, yeah. that, you can he's see that he's torn, based out. Yeah, and Aaron's going. It's unstable. You can't do this. Crichton, look at it. It isn't stable. Yeah, it's not clear. Like who's actually who's actually driving yeah. the craft? Like she's in the front position. That should be the pilot. Normally, it's in a, in a two-seater craft. Like rear is usually navigation is. weapons, maybe. Yeah. But she's relying on him for the thrusters. He's the one who has to fire the reverse thrusters. That seems weird. It is. I mean, it, a it, it's sort a of division of. It's uh, a botch. It's a botch job, anyways, because like, it was clearly not a two-man craft at first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Maybe that's why they had to like pull the control separate or something. But yeah, he's like sorely tempted to fly through the wormhole, but is swayed into zooming out through the uh, the fringe through of the it. the membrane, yeah. yeah. Uh, like which, not a straight-on reversal, but he no. just guesses that apparently this is something you can cross. It yeah. looks like, a, and it, it like does, a watery surface. It does throw the craft off its course a little bit. It, it does go spinning a little bit, and it apparently does a little bit of damage to it as well. Uh, we have a problem. Pilot, I'm reading a plasma leak on the starboard propulsor. Can you confirm? Yeah, one of those precious Moya components is now leaking plasma. Yes. The pilot does not want him to return because it could be dangerous to Moya. And Eren is like, no, we have to eject. And like, he yeah, will, I mean, he standard not, procedure is yeah. eject from the, from the craft but and then he, the docking web would grab them. Right, but he clearly doesn't want to give up on the module and they decide to head for the planet. Yeah, because uh, uh, Rigel, who has, uh, who has shown up, um, had been apparently on the horn before the uh, yeah, uh, before the. the although he looks started. more like he was like having a nap or something. He was, he yeah. was. So that suggests that they've been flying around for a while. So he'd been talking to the locals. Aaron and uh, and, and Crichton went out to to do their wormhole experiments. Yep. And then he went off to took a, to take a nap because he's got his lovely like bathrobe on again. again. Yes. I really, I mean, really better, like that. It's better than his undies. So I'd, I'd rather see him. <laughs> I also noticed that Dargo seems to have got himself a new outfit. Oh yeah. Uh, he's, he's wearing his grumpy pants again because like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is his. Uh, um, oh, what color is no, that? Is that vermilion? It's, it's maroon. It's, yeah, it's burgundy-ish, but it's not the. Uh, yeah, it's not the the usual he's wearing. It's like the almost a pajamas version of the red ver- uh, suit that he usually wears. I think the big difference is he's not wearing like the leather strap across his chest oh, that, that he might usually. Be uh, yeah. Uh, where he usually kept his communicator, his comms. But he he's going all bossy again. He's like, oh, right? we can't stand for this. Like, oh, you're going to have to come back immediately and we need to go. Well, I am not going to trash my module if there's any chance to save it. There isn't. Stop stalling. Crichton, I forbid this. Crichton. He's like, even talking about leaving them behind. Exactly. Like they're on their own. He's got his knickers in a twist about something. Yeah. Uh, standing there big and uh, big and tall. And even when Crichton, who refuses to ditch his craft and says yeah. that he's going to go down to the planet to get it fixed. I forbid this. Yeah. yeah not, what, what do you think that's yeah, going to do? Not really your position. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's being all weird about this. But they get the coordinates from the uh, person that um, Rigel was talking to. Someone by the name of Furlow, I believe. Furlow. Name of uh, Furball. Uh, fellow, uh, follows, something like that. Fellow. Right. We have a bit of a chat between uh, between Aaron and uh, and Crichton where she calls him to task for, hey, you were yeah. ready to fly through that, weren't you? And he goes, no, 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 it was no, unstable. Like yeah. A, yeah, no, you were. And if it was stable, you would have gone through and, and you would have taken me, me with you. Yeah, I mean, she's already fish out of water, but I can imagine that she wouldn't like, I mean, yeah, she has a very good point. 
he has no idea whether or not that wormhole will take him back home or will or take anywhere, him anywhere or else in the universe. Yeah. Or it's survivable or whatever. That's not his decision to make for her. So, yeah, next time you're flying on your own. That would probably have been, like, the better decision anyway. But I guess, like, with the with the module recently having been fitted with new uh, propulsion yeah. that he doesn't know how yeah. to work, uh, she was giving him a driving lesson again. And also, like, collecting data. Uh, so they uh, they decide to go to the planet, and we cut to a scene which is like uh, somewhere out beyond the Dune Sea, apparently. Where Stockton is... Sands, yeah. two hours north of Sydney. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, they'd been looking forward to shooting here for a while, and then they got there, and they uh, fucking hated it because well, it's so hot. We're we're on the planet of the sunglasses this time. Yes. Uh, no more ski hats. Everyone is on the everyone is on sunglasses and shades and goggles, and we see this. A person standing out in the sand and like sees the overhead craft coming in and it cuts to a scene of a big city out in the background where there's like yeah so when i when i saw it at first i thought it was like a it was like a mesa do you know right. what i mean it's yeah, sort of, yeah. it sort of looks like it was hollowed out by the wind or whatever but then you get a closer shot no, no. those are all constructed yeah, it's a huge city it it looks so cool and yeah the 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 I don't know. We never get a name for the species of the locals. It's just our local. No, they're just humanoid. Humanoid, uh, yeah, wearing wearing some kind of woolly pink mask over the face, and which I can imagine for the sa- would be against sand. And shaded goggles. Yeah, everybody's got like the super sand goggles and everything on. Uh, white or off-white cowl, ivory-colored jellaba yeah. gloves. A really cool sort of scanner. Do you see that? Oh, like yeah, it's yeah. a it it doesn't look very futuristic. It's got all these these dials. It's, it's, and, it's very Star Warsy. It's like yeah. it, it looks used and uh, functional. Oh, it's just like a VCR, except easier. Cut back to the soundstage where you actually did you notice the uh, the backdrop that the oh. uh, the so decoration inside the inside yeah. the garage in the garage lights the, the the backdrop the, it's got those like little square uh, pattern things that we also saw in Maldis's uh, ah yes <laughs> i've seen them all over the place it's the it's the tiles that i recognize from from blade runner oh yes uh, we saw them in in Maldis's castle uh, they're here as well they're on the outside uh, i loved furlow's garage like mm. it's such a cool space you've got the light shining in you've got all sorts of stuff going on i don't know how many of these people are her employees or whether it's like I, a I assume they're maker space. But yeah, they, they run the module in and it apparently has universal couplers because someone immediately attaches a hose to it. Yeah, uh, a hose in the nose. Yeah. The the, the nose is, wait, it's not even a nose, it's like a suction cup that goes over I the so, nose. What is it doing? I don't know, maybe it's venting off the plasma that uh, was leaking earlier, which was the dangerous part. So oh, it yeah, makes sense enough. that they do that. But we meet Furlow here, who is a goggle-wearing, orange-faced chin jockstrap wearing uh, <laughs> yeah, mechanic. Go on, go on now, do two more. Two more, two perlatives. Um, yeah, what else you got? What else you got? Bl- blue scarfed. Blue scarfed um, and tiny, tiny eyes. Tiny pupils. No, she's got, well, she's got huge eyes. I think her irises are all white or probably uh, contacts, but you can kind of like see how the irises are much whiter than the sclera. You've got screenshots here. Like you, you, you zoom in. You've actually got like grayish brownish irises, but they're really t- tiny. Like her irises are about the size of yeah. regular uh, humans' but you can, pupils. But, but you can see what I mean. But then there's that white ring around it, and then oh, yeah, well, that's and then just the contact lens. Yeah, that's the what I said. That's what I said. But like all these goggles, they're so great because they're not shaded glass. They're just they've got like, just tiny, tiny little holes, holes in it. Yeah. 
Hey, which like camera obscura? Uh, no, it probably works. works I mean, it's right? like yeah, it's better than nothing. Maybe uh, this is just how their how their species works. They have tiny, tiny uh, 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 openings in their eyes to deal with uh, with the light, and then well, that's how they solve problems. Put another tiny, yeah. yeah. And that actor, like poor lady, she must have had such a crick in the neck after filming because she's she's constantly got her ear on one shoulder. So <laughs> yes. that's she's doing the, uh, the 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 skeptical head tilt all the all the time, but also mm, yeah. Mm. Mm-mm. I don't know. I don't know. And she's haggling and she's like overstating the capacity of her. Oh, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll take care of that. No yeah. problem. Are you sure you've got it contained? Oh, don't you worry about that. Old Furlough can handle it. Everything's going to be just fine. That's my motto. No other way, you dumb wellness. How long is it going to take you to fix it? Twice as long as you stick around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Swearing all the time, she's so grumpy. I I know that I talked about like uh, uh, Namtar being one of my favorite characters. Actually, Furlow is probably my favorite from the, from the first <laughs> scene because she is so real. We know people like Furlow, of course. Any alien species, there would be a Furlow. They were going to have that kind of like yeah, especially in the mechanics role and everything because that's right? when you expect from a mechanic. A little bit haggly, a little bit sleazy. You know you're going to get uh, you're going to get shafted somewhere, but you don't know how much you're going to get shafted. Exactly. Like, Shall we shaft it? And she seems like the kind who's going to shaft you, you know, reasonably. <laughs> yeah, sixty uh, percent. Seventy, eighty, even. Uh, yeah, she's she's not very impressed with uh, um, uh, with the craft. Although she immediately offers to buy it. Hardly looks spaceworthy. Primitive alloys, no hedge drive. This thing belongs in a collection, not in space. Tell you what, how about I do you a favor and take this thing off your hands? Yeah, well, that's that's also one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, this is an old piece of crap. I I recognize this is an absolute classic. Yeah, this is a this is a, a collector's item. Oh, this is this is trash. I'll uh, I'll trade it to you for a moped or something. Yes. Like it doesn't even have a hedge drive. She says. All oh, right, it can't travel at hedge four. Yeah, yeah, which I guess is their like conventional FTL. I guess so. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. Like there, it was mentioned, I think in, in the combat scene when uh, the, the the peacekeeper ship was shooting at them, they were like it was mentioned that, oh, that yeah. they were traveling at hatch seven or something like that. And I don't think that was a uh, uh, well. I mean, we don't FTL have scene. No. we we don't have any other propulsion other than hatch or uh, starburst. True, but and yet other spacecraft can get from planet to planet. Yeah, so they yeah. must be using hatch drives. Yeah, so that must point. be. Yeah. So uh, she tosses them a pair of goggles, and they wander on outside uh, of the city. Because, like, you've I got this—you've got this huge, enormous city towering over the sand. But no, no, no we're just going to go like stand around at the base of this thing and like wander around and see what's going on here. Yeah, well, that's where the shop is, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, you want to get your car fixed? You drive into—I don't know—name a big city, uh, uh, Barcelona, San Antonio, whatever. You drive in there. You want to yeah. get your car fixed? Do you drive like up La Rambla? Do you drive into no. the center? No. It's but when you go out for outskirts. a walk to check out the scenery, you do go there, and you don't just go stand outside the shop at the in, in the parking lot, you know, which is essentially what they've been doing here. Well, they don't—they don't get very far before they encounter. A message. There's yeah, like a, from base, a familiar. A holographic message plays, and it is uh, what's his face again? I am Captain Biala Crace. Uh, I always forget his name. Crace. Captain Crace. Captain Crace. He's who? back in his uh, 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 Johnny Rocket hat. And I am offering a substantial reward to anyone who can assist us in the recapture of three escaped prisoners. 
a big bounty is offered for the uh, three, three fugitives. Yeah. Yes, and there's like they're standing there watching, like, okay, this is going to be good. Three, and it turns out that the three escaped prisoners that he's after are yeah, Rigel, Zahn, and Dargo, and not a word of mention about Crichton or Eren. It's not hard to figure out why, uh, says says Aaron. Obviously, Crace has his own plans for uh, for Crichton. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting that he that he mentions about these these fugitives that are, that are wanted for violating their parole. These three fugitives from Peacekeeper custody have violated their parole. That seems odd, right? Yeah, he's essentially like a, a prison warden. They don't want to admit to anyone escaping under their watch. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, uh, I think in the Firefly film Serenity was mentioned, like, no security company would ever report the theft of their own payroll because they'd look incompetent. Very much so. The moment the transmission is over, we see two toothy figures with red eyes coming into... Yes! uh, And I I, I totally didn't get that because they immediately laser focus on Eren and Crichton. Yeah. But... There was no reason for them to do so. It's like... No. It seemed completely arbitrary for like, okay, we need to uh, advance the plot here. And they start like, yeah, focusing, they start harassing them. Like like they have a reason. They have no, zero reason to do this. Actually, I think they do. Oh? Okay, so they, they approach uh, Aaron and uh, and John, um, who are who are intimidated a little bit by these scary figures approaching them with, uh, with, with, with weapons. And then John big dogs right back. Oh, yeah. He, uh, on instinct. They get threatened a little bit with weapons, and then he, he seems oh, to... Oh, yeah, and the Vorkarian female, yeah. like, she attacks uh, uh, right. Aaron. Because, like, is this your female? And Aaron goes, like, I'm nobody's female. And then immediately goes, well, in that case, she's up for grabs. Her, yeah. Kill her. yeah, they're uh, very violent. And he goes, what do you think you're doing? Take your... Take your hands off her and they and they and they back down back off get that weapon out of my face before i feed it to you immediately uh, yes he claims that they are also uh, uh, bounty hunters that must have been what rorg and rorf as they're called yeah. were thinking they saw them looking at this uh, uh, at this at this bounty message okay and you thought and like the, oh the attitude must have been like hey back away that's ours competition right that makes sense which which john then flips yeah and because he, yeah, they they haven't been mentioned. Yeah, he he immediately figures out that they're quite uh, sensitive to being overbluffed, uh, the alpha dog thing, which he is, as he specifically calls it later on. Yeah, and maybe it's just because of their look. They they have a sort of, I guess, squat kind. Of, I mean, you they, look they at them up close. Yeah. They sort of look like Chihuahua faces. I suppose. I mean, they call or maybe chinchilla. They call themselves blood trackers. Vorkarian blood trackers. I mean, chinchillas yeah. are very different from chihuahuas. Yes. Chinchillas are soft and like cuddly, and chihuahuas are just like. You ever seen a close up of their face when they're, when they're doing the? No, oh. I guess yeah, shaved shaved man no. as well. Maybe that's maybe they have shaved chinchillas because you know <laughs> I really like their outfits. Oh yeah, the orange and uh, brown fuzzy clothes. Yeah, they got all these frills hanging off them. Uh, uh, they've got the the sort of uh, leather tabards, yeah. but they're like they're very well put together. Uh, uh, there's a there's a there's a clear design there. They have all these like metallic highlights and the and the sort of medallion at the at the neck and the and the seventh chakra. Um, I noticed that his so there's a there's a male and the female and the male like his his abdomen is sort of not exposed but in the in, in see the tabard has sort of a gap yeah. in the abdomen and hers is constant in the uh, mm-hmm. in the abdomen showing like a bit of uh, a bit of sexual dimorphism and yeah, yeah they've got all this all these hair hanging off them as as if they shaved like a a yak or a 
Yeah. Always showing their teeth. Yeah, red eyes and their hair. They've got grey in their hair. They've got long black hair with grey in it, suggesting, like... They've been around for a while, yeah. They reminded me of Tubbs and Edward from The League of Gentlemen. Yes, they did. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's definitely... It was also the slightly upturned nose, which helps (laughs) helps a lot there, but it's... (laughs) I'm sure there's only a very small section of our our audience who has seen The League of Gentlemen and knows who Tubbs and Edward are, but also (laughs) the the sort of scheming, the cannibalism, maybe? Yeah, Hmm? there's a lot of thing going on. But yeah, he basically almost like gets them to work for him. How good are you two? Because I might be willing to cut you in. Yes, he claims to be Butch and he calls Aaron Sundance. Dance, yes. Which is fun because her son is her surname. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I thought it was more like a re- reference to the whole... Uh, no, I know. The, the, yeah. the solar flares thing is also a thing which is big <laughs> in this episode. So, oh, deep. And, hence, yeah. I thought that was a, a fun connection. Meanwhile, on the ship, Zan is having the time of her life. Yeah, we see her clothes splayed out. She's apparently on the terrace, yep. uh, which we don't see. Uh, not this I, time, no. I don't think we we ever get to see the uh, uh, the terrace again. No, not this. Oh, it I wouldn't an, know. But, uh. It is an unwieldy, apparently, place to film. But yeah, when we see yeah. her sort of clutching at the ground in, in ecstasy. Um, so what, what was it called again? A solargasm? Photogasm. A photogasm, that was it, yes. She's gone completely farbot. Yes, Delvian female are unusually sensitive to ionic radiation. One of the gifts of the Delvian Seek. It's called a photogasm. I'll get a mop and bucket. Now, what's interesting is that she says it's one of the gifts of the Delvian Seek, which is her uh, religious uh, yeah. practice. Now, that, that seems, like, weird, because we've, we've, we've seen some of the gifts that she's talked about, like yeah. the ability to inflict pain and... Uh, Take uh, pain. Uh, yeah, share it. Yes, yeah. exactly. But apparently the ability to come from sunlight is well, solar something flares, that's... Well, flares, not just awesome. sunlight. You're right, you're yeah. right. It is particularly the, 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 the solar flares. Oh. So she's indisposed. Quite so. Rigel and Dargo have a little bit of snippy, snippiness at each other again, as they are one to do. Yeah, they've had a few a few good bits throughout here. Like earlier earlier on when uh, uh, John called Dargo a pain in the ass and everyone else had to translate yeah, for so him. Yeah, so was that. It's like, oh, it's a human thing. It's like, <laughs> what is a pain in the ass? Oh, and, it's someone who's annoying. And then Rigel helpfully goes, yes, oh, an idiot. Someone irritating, stubborn, obnoxious. A simpleton. Adult? Idiot? I get the idea. Moron. Oh, no, no, there's more. <laughs> yes, he just... <laughs> Uh, and Dargo decides to go down to the planet and deal with this problem himself. Yes. I mean, he's going to take charge and be a man about it, I suppose. So, Eren, Crichton, and the Bloodhounds, uh, sorry, blood, uh, the Blood the Trackers, blood trackers sorry, yeah. are sitting somewhere in the city. They have somehow managed to source some firewood on yep. this. You've got this huge city and there's uh, ships flying around with anti-grav units or at least other propulsion, but no, they're just like, they've managed to find some wood. We've not seen a tree yet in this entire episode. No. Oh, right? And Where would they, that come from? And yet they're sit, still sit, sitting there burning some wood, roasting some meat, I suppose. Yep. So with a uh, lovely little Christmas tree torture device in the background. Yeah, it's a lovely sort of framing. You have a cage in the foreground, you have their sort of meal campfire, and then you have the uh, yeah the, the the torture rack in the in the background while they're chatting about their uh, uh, their skills. They're negotiating about how they're going to uh, divvy up the yes, and, like. John uh, uh, is still big dog, and he, he offers to cut them in, keeping them submissive, keeping them low. Yeah. 
uh, and Staying obviously cut them in for 70-30. Counter offers with 70-40. <laughs> John Rawls has to go, uh, 80-40. Okay. And I'm just like, okay, like, I would have loved to see that come up later. It's like, how, <laughs> yeah, how are we going to divvy this up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they, although they seem to be good trackers, they seem to have like a different number system than, than we're used to, at least. Hey, maybe they're just flexible about number systems. No. Yeah. Maybe you just don't assume what someone's maxima are. Yep. Uh, Erin goes tinkering with the device that she has stolen from the the marketplace. The uh, yeah, which was, they they took that away to prevent any more competition from yeah. getting the same idea, and she's uh, she's been poking at it. She finds that there's a private message in there for her after she logs in with her uh, like peacekeeper Security credentials. Key. Yep, and there's a a, a message from uh, the great leader who is offering her basically full amnesty. Uh, under yeah. the uh, condition that she comes back with Moya and with Crichton and the prisoners, if she turns them in, then she'll uh, she'll get to retire with honors, uh, and and her commission will be restored. Do you notice that she stands at attention? Oh, when she when she sees his, uh, uh, I hadn't noticed that. No, his hologram. Like she oh, she immediately just as she was telling Jelena in uh, oh PK Tech Girl, previously directed by yeah. Tony Tills. Oh yes, chin up, eyes locked. Perfect, perfect poise. And John, like, he tries to be the voice of reason. You know he's full of shit, right? Because he, we yes. know his last experience with Chris. Yeah, he gives her his oath, oath, word, as, a key, oath, oath as a peacekeeper. And, like, Crichton's like, oh, we know what that's worth. Because, <laughs> that's yeah. literally what you said while we were it watching was, it. It was, and it was echoed immediately by uh, Crichton. <laughs> you should be a writer for this show. Well. All you need is a, a time travel device to go back 23 years and, and replace Douglas. Well, Who knows? Maybe was. I have. Or maybe I will. Whoa. So, Dargo arrives on the planet. He's found himself a welder's mask of some sorts. And yeah. He is, is he decides to uh, start for a walk. And we have a scene of uh, where the uh, the blood trackers actually catch the scent. It's the woman who catches the scent of, yeah. uh, of Dargo. Wharf. And there's a scene of dramatic walking across the sand. Yeah. Where these, it's like... <laughs> these did not work for me. Where somehow, like, Dargo also senses danger. You have no idea of the of the, of the the distances. Yep. Um, I, I, I did sort of like that the Dargo is is wearing those, those, that sort of mask, those, I guess, against the light. But also, yeah. it was Australian summer, and he probably just couldn't handle the prosthetics. How, oh, that's a good point, yeah. He has so much on his face. Because it's, it's interesting, because it must be blisteringly hot there uh, yeah however the impression i got was much that it's much more a cold desert than a warm desert i don't know it, it n- huh. none of it none of it struck me as being particularly hot there i see what you mean actually because uh, i mean everyone was wearing very warm clothes the, yeah uh, exactly the the the, the yak hair covered vorkarians uh and no one's complaining about the heat uh aaron's doing fine throughout good. all yeah, this very good point i had forgotten about that completely Sebations like the gland necessary to regulate extreme thermal increases. It was still filmed in Australia, and yeah. it must have been an absolute nightmare. So yeah. I hope that Anthony Simcoe got a like a little <laughs> USB fan on the inside of his uh, like, yeah. uh, his helmet. Do you notice that he was flying the Prowler again? Yes. So apparently Erin did not put a lock on it. She lets other people use it. Well, there seems to be somebody else who's interested. Uh, we see we see one of the one of the locals uh, uh, spot Dargo's landing in the Prowler and drive off with his uh, with his little cart. Yeah. I like those little carts. It's like, just it's just a quad with some like cloth hanging. 
hanging I over know, it. It's, it's like I noticed that later on in the episode. So it's just got a little frame and some cloth. Uh, yeah. It's like <laughs> just uh, a little cloth like it works. So yeah, Dargo surprises one of the two blood trackers and is immediately ambushed by the other one. Like, uh, how did any of this work? Okay, yeah. so somehow he he realized that he was in a kill zone and he managed to like flank a sniper in a dune sea and then get caught. Then get jumped by the by the spotter. Yeah, it it's weird. We return to the uh, the garage, yes. which I love. This garage, it's like there's so much going on there. There's there's smoke and there's lights and there's all these all these people working. Uh, where uh, furlough makes another sly offer to buy the craft of uh, Crichton, or maybe like he can trade up because I've just uh, just so happens I recently come by a secondhand prowler. Might interest you. Secondhand prowler. prowler. Yeah, <laughs> funny that. It's like. Furlough is so great. She's, yeah. she's such a liability. Absolutely, yeah. you don't ever do business with furlough. But, but she man. seems to have noticed that the craft has picked up some peculiar uh, signatures. Uh, yes, she talks about. Uh, let me see. Wormhole stuff. Writing down. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was prophasic distortion. Almost like it had been close to a proto wormhole. Which she apparently knows about. Yeah, apparently uh, there's, uh, there's just more like, science. Oh, well, you know, that's what he needs to be investigating. Like, yeah. solar flares are dying down, and he wants to get back up there before they're gone. Yeah, well, they might not last the day. Well, when do they start up again? Yeah, in 4.8 uh, cycles. cycles. Yeah. yeah. Regular clockwork. Yep, like, she's, so. always, she's always so positive and like, oh, here comes some great news when she's delivering bad news. <laughs> Very true. Um, meanwhile, Dargo is being brought in by the two blood trackers. Uh, Crichton tries to... Uh, oh, shut it. Crichton tries to... Uh, <laughs> yes, your majesty. Uh, another another guest appearance by Kay's cat in the Throws of the Fourth yeah, Sensation. She wants, she wants the food cubes. <laughs> and Crichton tries to shout them down again, but they're not so easily bullied Slave. this time. No, and this is where we find out that the Christmas tree was actually the torture chair. Because they strap uh, Dargo, Dargo into it yeah. and immediately start getting to extract information from him regarding the other prisoners. They're they're proper, like, vicious and violent, yep. these, uh, these Vorkarians. Like, oh, we like bloods. We like spilled blood. Especially someone else's. Yeah. Uh, they do a little bit of cutting on Dargo, who stoically undergoes it all. Uh, yeah, they, they mention that his hide is thick, but uh, grab his tentacles and go, these look sensitive. Yes. Uh, he doesn't, like, flinch at all. It's like, I don't think he, like, he might not even been in his prosthetics for this scene, as far as, <laughs> as we can know. <laughs> oh, no, that's not fair to the great actor, Anthony Stemko, whose eyes always do all the work. And they and were in closed case, in the entire scene. Yes, but they were, they were emotionally closed. Yeah. <laughs> there was enormous restraint in the way he closed his eyes. There was such pain. Yes. Oh, it was a captivating eyelid experience. Uh, but John jumps to the rescue because he sees that they've just they've just cut in, into his tentacles, yeah. and that's dangerous for Luxon. Yes, uh, uh, because the blood is dark. Yep, uh, and that needs to be that needs to be cleared. Otherwise, he like still how that works. No I, idea. Well, I, like, are there any creatures that we know that have that clear that, blood? Not that I'm aware of. No, not clear blood. But yeah. I mean this this idea. Well, actually, um, kelp. Uh, sorry, seaweed. There yeah. is a there is a, a a kind of. I mean, it's algae, right? And there's yeah. a there's a variant of seaweed that I know that is unicellular, like it's a oh, single it's like cell huge thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. Uh, uh, so it's 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 only got one cell cell membrane. That's the skin, and on the interior, it's just lots and lots of cords, and it's all this open soup. But it has this it has this sort of uh, gel in its skin that when it's cut open, it reacts with uh, uh, with sea water, water with yeah. seawater specifically, to act as a sealant. Okay, that's useful. I mean, he sort of looks like a cephalopod with his yeah, tentacles. I suppose. But I'm sure he's more multicellular. But yeah, uh, Crichton uh, basically takes over the torture. He bluffs off the uh, blood tra- uh, trackers. Threatens uh, Dargo, like humiliates him while torturing him. Yeah, exactly. In a threat by like, the, yeah. oh, I'm squeezing your hurting tentacle. And yes, he just like skillfully uh, applies first aid by... Uh, Squeezing it until the blood indeed runs Percussive clear. Percussive first aid, an unusual strategy. Yeah, I mean, he tried what? it like doing the th- chest bumping on uh, Darko the last time. <laughs> yes, that's so right. Was- All of his first aid is percussive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when well, I mean, when one thing works on uh, on something, you you try it again. He's uh, he's fortunately like briefly assuaged the uh, the suspicions of the blood trackers, who noticed, by the way, that uh, Dargo called him Crichton. Your name's Crichton. Yeah, Butch Crichton. I think they might be getting suspicious about the fact that he is, like, involved with him. I mean, they certainly are suspicious about that. There's plenty of suspicion to go around yeah. because uh, Aaron, back at the garage, notices that one of the workers is uh, poking around the interior of the cockpit. Trying and, to extract the uh, flight data. And it's someone, I mean, I don't know exactly yeah. why she recognized that no, he was in... Uh, the guy's mask gets knocked off and he's got bright yellow eyes, which apparently is a thing because nobody else seems to have those. But we never see anybody else's no, eyes. They're always wearing it's, those it's, goggles. It's also the never mentioned at all. Uh, she gets like knocked over, uh, and a, just a, at that point, a solar flare comes over, uh, which blinds her, I suppose. Yeah, she she comes up. She tries to continue the fight with uh, uh, with this dude who realizes, oh, she can't see shit. So the thing I noticed very much about the scene is like there was dramatic foley in here. It's like it was oh, totally yeah. over the yeah. top. It was uh, like a smack, Hong Kong wuxia film. Yeah. There's all of this like excited, directionless uh, uh, drumming to indicate the uh, uh, the excitement. But I've got to say, while I didn't love the music in this scene, I loved the music throughout the rest of the episode because when the when the Vorkarian blood trackers first arrived, like there's this cool like hard rock electric guitar sting. Like, yeah, which is, it's it's the dramatic sand walking scenes as well. Yeah. This, it, it's, it's all it's all very heavy metal, uh, heavy metal western. It's so so cool. Aaron is now blinded, and Furlow actually uh, knocks the guy off uh, who was uh, fighting yeah. with Aaron. Kills and, him uh, dead. Like she pokes yeah, she like, pokes him twice with a stick, and like uh, uh, no. whatever he was, he's, he's dead. dead now. Which is, <laughs> seems a bit weird. Again, like we have no idea who this person is, what they were doing, why they were in for this. It's right. I guess we're supposed to. I guess we're supposed to infer that it's a bounty hunter, just like Might the Volcarians yeah. yeah. are. Uh, there's probably a lot more. They're, yeah. they've, they've they've found these things on these uh, uh, these bounty hunter beacons yeah. on several other planets as well. Uh, on Moya, meanwhile, yeah. a glowing Zahn wanders back into command, much <laughs> yes. to the chagrin of uh, Rigel, who is just like immediately clasps his hand over his head because he's like offended yeah. by her nakedness or something. Are you decent? And she teases him because yeah, oh, she's, she's fully dressed and she goes, "No, I'm not wearing a scrap. I'm as nude as a newborn baby." Then go away and don't insult my eyes with your naked blue extremities. Mm, which ones in particular don't you like? And she like immediately clamps his hands over his She's eyes. So much fun. She does a little bit of earbrow nuzzling and. Uh, <laughs> And she learns from him that while she was busy uh, uh, having the Sunday time of her life, yeah. oh, Sunday in lies, uh, 
Uh, yeah, some shit's gone down on the planet, so it's time for for Zan to go uh, to go down to the planet yep. where uh, uh, more dramatic arrival. sand walking. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like it's such a great location. It's such a beautiful expanse, and it and it's so cool to see these these aliens in like a real natural environment. Although I've got to say, I thought that her makeup while she was out in the desert looked a little bit simplified. You'd see uh, her from a distance. I can yeah. imagine that. No, they wouldn't go for the full Monty when she's going to get sand in her face. No, there's not a solar flare. She grabs her hands and she rubs it over her head again. And it's like, it seems to make her disappear from the view of, or at least from the senses of the blood trackers. Yes, Yes. exactly. Because she has the same sort of, I guess, sense of danger that Dargo had when he he landed. She does this, uh, it's this sort of shrouding gesture with with blue energy over her body. But immediately after that, a solar flare hits and she just... Zonks oh, out. Yeah, she's back into the photongasm. Uh, pho- Photogasms. Photogasms again, yep. But it's it's good fortune that the Vorkarians are out there tracking her and not back at their, at their lair. Because Dargo is breaking free of his restraints. Yeah, as Crichton discovers when he... Uh, I mean, he actually went over to free him, but he doesn't get the chance. No. Nope. Uh, Dargo accuses him of, uh, uh, of, of of turning the tables on them, torturing him. Right. Where he's, he's like, at him. Yeah, where he's like, dude, I was doing what I could in the circumstances. You know, thank me tomorrow. I saved your ass today. You tortured me. I saved you. I, I did my best. I was trying to help. And you, you, Why are you always being such a hard ass? Why are you being so difficult? Yeah. Uh, and they actually have a bit of a moment there. After John once again like climbs out of harm's way, yeah, Dargo seems like, to be vertically challenged or something, despite yeah. being very tall. Like his whole thing to get out of out of danger from this this armed lux is to climb, climb a ladder. Yeah, uh, and then and then have a chat with them. And they, like you say, yeah, they they sort of open up to each other. Like uh, uh, Dargo is continually disappointed by by John, and and I mean, right, he's not wrong. Well, uh, I mean, it, 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 we have no idea what Dargo's expectations are. That's the whole thing. It's like he never, he never says anything about like why he's dis- why John disappoints him. No, that's true. Uh, it's like I mean, he's being judged by alien standards, and I think that that actually comes across quite well. Earlier on in in this particular episode, like Dargo very firmly like. And he was right. We should move on. We should never yeah. stay anywhere too long. No. Let's get going. And and Crichton decided to stay and decided not to. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, they don't make a point of it, but he was endangering everybody else just by staying on this planet. Right. And uh, Crichton kind of concludes that Dargo just wants to be the boss. It's like he wants to be the top dog. Uh, and I mean, it doesn't get really, really get resolved. He doesn't agree to that. No. But exactly. But they do f- decide that like. If we're not going to be friends, at least we can be allies. And they actually introduce him to the concept of handshake. And- it's such a like this this idea these 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 two men realizing this about each other. Like it's not going to work between no. us. We're we're not going to be we're not going to be friends. Uh, although John does come back to him and like, have I ever come at you with a weapon? Right. Yes. And that should start go up because yeah, no, no, he hasn't. And like the opposite is quite true. It's like it has happened yeah. quite a few yeah. times when Dargo's just being like, yeah, ready to, to to go at him, which affects Dargo much more than he than he lets on. I think yeah. because that that really. Yeah. Well, okay. it puts him in. Yeah, it it puts Crichton's actions in a different perspective. It's yeah. Like, it, it shows him. It's like Crichton's never shown any malice towards him. Yeah. Just like at worst incompetence. But yeah. Okay. So or we even, don't like each other. But yeah, I don't bear you any malice. Or what is it? Is that the right word? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Friendship is a lot to ask. But how Let's about respect? Allies, yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, you'd think they'd already were allies, but at least at this point, it gets. Uh, 
officially confirmed, I suppose, I with a handshake, which he has to explain to him. Yes, that's what uh, Warriors on Earth did to right, show sure. they're not holding weapons. And you see Dargo looking at the sword he's <laughs> holding. <laughs> okay, holds it in the other hand. Passes it over, and they have their, have their little handshake. It's a, it's rather a meaningful gesture, uh, although uh, I know this is a nitpick, and I don't want to be that kind of guy, but he did have Dargo shake the kid's hand on, on the IET, oh, on, the, yes. on that planet. You're right, shake his yeah. hand. Hey, kid. Shake his hand. Erin is still messing with the uh, peacekeeper beacon while she's talking to uh, uh, Furlow, Furlo, who's yes. smoking her cigar and oh, still yes. doing the, the sort of head wiggle. Oh, and Furlow, and guys, yeah. do you know anything about cyber manipulation? Uh, ah, uh, yes, yeah. we do. Butch and Sundance have their have their final stand when they return back to the uh, uh, the outskirts of uh, that great city and immediately come under fire. And we finally see Dargo using his keyblade. Yes. He actually shoots it. It's yes. like nice little blues, uh, flashy build-up thing. Uh, there's a great shootout with, uh, uh, with the two uh, blood trackers. Uh, I think there's a few microwaves in the background and lots of mugs which are being yes. knocked about. Yeah. Yes, I have a lot of notes about this because this whole scene, I was just sitting there while they were, while they were having the shootout in the Space Burning yeah. Man Cosplayers <laughs> Convention. Yeah, so we've got lots of crates. We've got a, we've got a shopping cart. Uh, microwaves, yes. I noticed a sausage maker and what I think is a, a, a Singer sewing machine. Yeah. I noticed that even in, in Furlow's garage, like she's got a... Uh, it looked like a writing desk with the uh, or, or an electrical engineering yeah. desk with some with some. Oh yes, on it. I, th- I thought it was a telephone, an old-fashioned telephone exchange or something like that. Oh, that's even better. Something yeah. like I know. Like my first thought was piano, piano but piano, then it's right? like, yeah. like stand up. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, so everything's getting getting shot up. Yeah, no wonder they, they probably just raided the local uh, this, yeah, this radio just, shack. It's just a random shoot. Oh, for the for the for the scenery. Yes, yeah. It's, it's all again in the same. It's, it's just one set they built out there in the desert, and they, they've been using it for every outdoor shot because it's this huge technological city. But no, we're just going to shoot everything in a dusty little plaza out in front of it, <laughs> which actually sees very little traffic. But I mean. I suppose it's like there's nothing out there in the bloody desert I mean, anyway. I'm thinking about like American cities that have a sprawl, which yeah. like European cities don't have that much, right? No. You've got you've got suburbs, but yeah. like the the sort of sprawl where it where the density decreases and there's no. more sand and roughage, yeah. and, and that's where you find is, your garage but, and your car lots. But this is a very uh, strict a vertical. Yeah. yeah, it's like there's here's the building. Then there's like this little plaza around it with a few merchants who are not selling anything obvious, and then there's just a, a stone arch, and then there's the desert. Well, maybe it's like a like a class system. Maybe like the city itself is yeah. air conditioned, and anybody who's living outside that's yeah. just but the dumps. But you expect to be there to be more people then, and everybody's like more or less neatly dressed. It doesn't seem to be anything going on. But no, it's just like I, I know I'm just nitpicking the fact that no, they just put, like, put a put scene the, out here. The, the world thing. building. I mean, not that there's much world to be built. There's mostly world destroying as everybody's right. shooting everything. Aaron just opens the door and wanders out straight into the middle of the firefight. Like, yeah, Crichton realizes that she needs help. Yep. And this is after, like, Crichton and, and Dargo have been discussing, like, how they're going to resolve their Butch and Sundance moment. Yeah. Uh, they, they know that they're being outflanked, and, and Crichton offers several times, like, Dargo, give me the gun, get yep. out of here. They're trying to outmaneuver us. Give me your weapon, I'll, uh, I'll cover you. At least you can get out of here. Crichton, you are my ally. I will not abandon you. Aww. No, totally. Aww. It's like he's immediately uh, gone into the, the, the full weight of, that, of the alliance, I suppose, that they just forged. Yeah. Also, exactly how two people can pin two other people down. I know it's, that Crichton doesn't have a weapon. No. Uh, but it, 
it seems like they would have plenty of opportunities to make a run for it. The, the well, weapons don't have a very fast recycle especially, time. Especially since the blood trackers are running all over the place. You can see them constantly switching positions and running and yeah. moving and the other two, but no, they have them pinned down. Which is supposedly like strategic, but it's just like, oh, this one's going left and yeah, now it's going and then right. He, he does this weird little hop right in the middle of his thing and I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, okay. <laughs> uh, but Erin has a has a solution. She turns on the beacon again, and now it's Kray saying, "Oh no, never mind." Peacekeeper Command Carrier assigned to recover the three escape prisoners has been called home on other business. Therefore, the reward offer for the fugitives has been officially withdrawn. Bounty's cancelled. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, she's been hacking the beacon, and like the the two blood trackers immediately stop dead in their blood tracks. Haha. <laughs> uh, because then, what's the point? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Are you hungry? Not that hungry. They're all yours, butch. No. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like it seems to be a little bit too much effort for the meal. I've I've been saying big dogging. They are dogs. Like, they are, that's yeah, their, very much their behavior. So, yeah. I mean, Crichton even even remarks on it earlier when when Aaron asks how he, how he knew to take this approach with him. Yeah, my dad had two Dobermans. Yeah. And yeah, you gotta you gotta big dog them uh, yeah, to, to, to gain let, their respect. Let them know that you're the boss. So as Radiant Zahn wanders in... Uh, Informing them that the light show is over because otherwise she'd still be... Happy. You sure? If they hadn't, I'd... Uh, well, uh, I'd still be indisposed. Indisposed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so yeah, they've missed a window of opportunity to go for more research data on the uh, on the wormhole. Yeah, the interaction of the solar flares and the atmosphere, and the we get no more resolution between uh, uh, John and, and and Dargo. No, they seem to have. Well, they, they've arrived at a point where they are comfortable with this, I suppose. As have John and Aaron, whom we next see back in the garage climbing over the module. That looks so good when they're doing that. Yes, uh, it's a uh, lovely little thing. I mean, it makes the module like feel real when you're when you're climbing on things. They feel real, sort of like I guess, sort of like puppets. I mean, you do notice it's a little bit flimsy, which actually gets lampshaded by oh, uh, yeah. Furlow commenting that it's not much of a thing. And, uh, uh, yeah, outmoded alloys. Yep. Hardly looks spaceworthy. Primitive alloys, no hedge drive. This thing belongs in a collection, not in space. Oh, I love Furlow so much. Um, and uh, uh, it's furlough that uh, that John has to talk to. Erin says that she had the idea to reprogram the uh, the beacon, but that uh, the reprogramming was done by furlough, and I have a debt that I can't repay. Can you settle right. it? He walks over to her like he's got a little swagger there. He's clearly wearing his sports bra. You know, his- <laughs> what? <laughs> well, uh, you can see him sort of like flexing his guns like, hey, how can we deal with this? Because, uh, yeah, we can't pay that. Can we maybe work something out and he uh, uh, pops open a can of coca-cola light and- <laughs> i mean we, you got that vibe, vibe from furlough as well because she gives him this like speculative look and like yeah. well maybe we can work something out <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's not his rock and hot bod that she wants no it's like actually uh creighton who suggests to share the data that he yeah. collected on the wormhole with her no, exclusive rights yep, or so no deal. You're like, handing it over. Uh, he reluctantly does so. And and he does one last bit of uh, big dogging as he as he walks off. Yeah, like, because yeah, I, can, I can start from scratch. I can get this data again, yeah. Yeah, because he, know he knows how he got there. There was a... Oh, there was a lot about, I mean, some troubling gender stereotypes that uh, yeah. uh, he says, hey, I don't make the rules, and Aaron, well, you do seem to be familiar with them. Yes. So I noticed a thing in this episode. It's like there seems to be a bit of a theme of temptation in here. 
temptation. How do yeah. you see? I mean, there's lots of. I mean, at, at first there's like Crichton being tempted to get into the wormhole. Yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, Aaron by uh, Crichton uh, yeah. places offer. Yeah, which we actually didn't talk about. That they actually have a discussion where she was tempted and. He goes like, you know, it's like bullshit, and goes like, yeah, but it was nice to consider it for a moment and think yeah. that it might be might have been genuine because he specifically mentioned that, like, uh, when, she, when he says honorable retirement, retirement, he means uh, fry my brain to go into the zombie state, yeah. radiation induced brain fever. Yeah. Whoa, she knows like she's not coming back, and like, yeah, but yeah. like, the, yeah, it seemed to be a little of a thing, and you had the tears. Uh, well, Zan, like, yeah, Zan, Zan, who was who well, succumbed she, her to te- the temptation. Her of temptation the- was more than sated, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the only one who was constantly dissatisfied, I guess, was Dargo. Yes, although I mean, he got his resolve. Yeah, the thing that I that I that I find so sort of most telling is that Dargo went down to get them. Yeah. So even though like he doesn't really care about uh, uh, Aaron and Crichton, he does care a little bit enough to right like, to not to not leave. Yeah, I mean, not leave without them. I mean, to be honest, like maybe others wouldn't have let him leave. I don't know how the that's never really established. Do they vote? Do they like go by consensus? Right. It's like it's never really established how they make a decision of when to go and when to leave. Because like they don't really have a plan. I no. guess. I mean, the the option was to like they would have definitely let left Rigel behind if he hadn't had like taken a part of Moya uh, in that other episode. Yeah, uh, I think Crichton. Crichton. He might have gone yeah. back for it anyway. But the others, yeah. I mean, technically, Pilot has a lot of power in that regard but then again a pilot yeah. is very subversive uh, sorry su- submissive i suppose yes, like he he's does a, he's he a servicer as dargo right. says yes, or he, sorry a servicer he does as he's told uh, and yeah. he doesn't like i mean i've never seen him like go like no i'm not going to do that moya is the more willful one certainly now that she has her baby to look right. after yes but we have still have no idea how much actual power she herself has like, i guess we'll find out as we uh, yeah. As we get deeper into the into the series, let's hope so. Okay, so we we've talked about how we should more formally like reflect on the episode and the and the, and the series so far. Yeah. Um. So we have like the Willies and the Woodies. Yes. That's 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 one of the ones that we do. But I want before we get there, I I I wanted to check with you because it's your first time. Yeah. First, like, do you think that you've you you understand these characters better? Are there are there questions that have been opened up about the world, about the characters? Like we've seen that uh, apparently the peacekeepers are a known force around here. Yeah. That uh, they've left bounties. Uh, like, were there any questions that it that it evoked for you? Well, I mean, it was resolved a little bit with Dargo, but I kept getting thrown back into like his, yeah, his posturing, his playing the boss being like yeah, being yeah. resolved. And that seems to be like a thing that keeps coming back and never really gets any traction. Uh, right, I yeah. Mean, there was a little bit about that now. Let's see how it de- how that develops in the future. But yeah, I guess we, we still have to sort of figure out how much of that is his personality, yeah. is, is, is culture, is... Uh, uh, because we've seen like extreme vulnerability with him as well yeah. and, 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 and anguish and, and sensitivity. So is it performative? Is this how he deals with anxiety? Uh, is this how how authority is established in their culture? Yeah. And of course, there's the whole power dynamic within the group, which we were just talking about, like who decides to who decides when they leave, where they go, uh, and what's yeah. going to happen. Uh, but again, that's like, I guess, part of the format of the show. There is no like ongoing mission to explore strange new right. worlds they're although that's lit- literally what they're doing uh, <laughs> yeah. but just because they're hungry and horny and looking for opportunities exactly uh, and uh, there's no there's there's no actually over 
acting theme. I mean, I guess the looking for a way home theme is coming back a little bit more in this episode. Yeah, right? There's like, that- he's actually, actually looking for a way home. Like, previously he tried to get, like, a, a map or a star right. chart, but now that's he's, like, making it. scientific progress towards doing yeah, that same thing. So. Well done, Crichton. Finally yeah. remembering the thing that you've been saying every week in the uh, opening credits. It's just a recording. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, Willie or Woody? Do you, what do you have? I have, for- I have both. Uh, Willie was definitely both the Willie yeah. and the Woody. <laughs> the Willie was definitely the torture scene for me. That was just like, Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, the whole like the, the whole creepy and like, oh, I don't like, I don't dig that kind of thing. It's like, oh, it's like, uh, yeah, he was powerless, and and, yeah. and they were so like malevolent and 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 vicious about it. Uh, yeah, callous and gleeful about it, which yeah. is like, yeah, not a very happy thing. And my Woody was definitely also with uh, Dargo when he was uh-huh. finally got to use his keyblade in a good shootout. <laughs> yeah, his his terrible sword that. Uh, it was actually a pretty, pretty good gun by the looks of it. I mean, he can't aim for shit, but, you know. None of them can. No, but that's like it's the, the lo- law of... Uh, the Peacekeeper School of Marksmanship. Yes, there we go. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, willy-wise. Um, but for the Woody, I'm kind of torn. I yeah. actually really liked the, I mean, the furlough, but no, yeah, that's the that's the other one. So it's going to sort of lead up to that. But <laughs> okay. no, it's definitely it's definitely furlough. Like I also like the Vorkarians. Yes, yes, they're they're written kind of dumb. Yeah, they're but like it, it, it's interesting that we have this 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 species with these gender roles, and they're yeah. an older couple, and they're uh, they're they're clearly a mated pair, yes. and they're and they're uh, bounty hunters. Like they're working together. Like that's a really cool relationship. Um, and not one that you that you see very often. It's a, it's an interesting counterpoint to the much younger uh, 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 Crichton and Aaron, oh, yeah. who and pretend to be the the sort of same thing. But yeah, like I imagine that these have been together doing this for twenty years, and apparently not making a lot of money because they can can negotiate for shit. They might be using alternate numbering systems. <laughs> so. Yeah, but if they- if they negotiate down from from sixty forty to one hundred and nineteen to nine, then yes. nobody <laughs> no, wins. No, no, they went from 70, uh, 70, 30 to How seventy did, forty. So and then from eighty to eighty forty, well, that the, was John's counter yeah, offer. So the, they agree to count. So how does eighty forty versus seventy thirty? I mean, seventy forty is I would say eighty twenty yeah. in total. And what's eight divided by twelve? Get it back to a hundred. Oh, I eight mean, divided eight, by twelve. Two thirds. Uh, two no, thirds. Sixty. Eight by twelve is two thirds. Okay. Yeah. So it's two thirds. Okay. So then it's like, okay. So it goes from seventy thirty to sixty-six thirty-three. Yeah. Eh. Would seventy forty have been a better deal then? I don't. I <laughs> don't them, know. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But no. Furlough definitely gets the Woody. I love her so much. She's so sleazy. She's so laid back. Yeah. Like she's a businesswoman and uh, like. These are the She's kind of darling. characters you would never see someone like this in. Oh, I said you'd never see them in Star Trek. Now you've got Quark a little bit, but right. But she's much more. She's much less of a caricature than Quark is, which is weird, right? Because yeah. she's super duper a caricature. True, but and I loved her chin jock strap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, we got another couple of nice butt shots on uh, on John. So uh, three yeah, candidates for the for the Ooh. Woody there. All right, and that's the story so far, Scape. We'll see you next week with episode 112, Rhapsody in Blue. (gasps) 
when Zahn is asked to help an outpost of fellow Delvians attempting to avoid the madness that threatens them. Yes. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, you can find us on So Farscape on Twitter and Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. And on SoFarscape.com, where you can find all of our other episodes. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good.